Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message from our pastor, Robert Madu. You ready for the Word of God? I am. I'm so excited because I'm, I'm, I'm launching a new series today. I'm launching a brand new series today. And uh, before I even jump in this series, this is so unprofessional, uh, but can I do this? You, you ever been like in the mirror uh, before you got ready and you're like going between two different outfits and like, should I rock this? Should I rock this? You're, I'm t- I, I had that moment today and I want to do that other jacket. I, I shouldn't have wore this jacket. I want to do this other jacket that I had. Can I put this on real quick? I'm sorry. I'm going to change. I was going back and forth between that one and this one. I ain't started the message yet. Don't count my preaching time. There we go. This the one? You like that? You like that Steve Harvey, that 1996? (laughs) How many buttons can you put on one jacket? Now, y'all laughing. Y'all laughing. But believe it or not, once upon a time, this was mine. Once upon a time, this was mine. I went through this crazy season, this crazy phase of rocking these jackets, these suits that were extra long. So I pulled this back out today because it just reminded me of money I've wasted on stupid stuff. (laughs) Oh, you thought this was the only one? Yes. This is uh, your pastor, maybe circa 2012, and uh, maybe not 12, 2008. Let me not do me like that. First of all, why am I sitting on books? <laughs> I'm a scholar. I'm very studious. But that's, that, that's my suit. That jacket right there went all the way down to my ankles, all the way down to my ankles. I went through this crazy season of wearing suits just like this. And don't laugh at me because you've done stuff like that too. Have you, ever, have you ever thought about who the money and the resources you've wasted on things that were just stupid? I'm talking about stuff you don't use anymore. How many of you right now can think of some things you're like, oh, I cannot believe. I, I cannot believe they talked me into that timeshare. It was not even worth I mean, I cannot believe I got that Peloton. You got the first bike before, and now because this one had a screen on it, you thought you were really going to use it. You bought a $4,000 clothes rack that you just throwing all your clothes on. It's funny, all the things that we buy, that if we could go back in time, we would go, I would not have spent money on that. And don't you wish, don't you wish today, let's just imagine, don't you wish you could get all that money back? Come on, just on the stuff that you wasted. I'll let you determine what you wasted on. Don't you wish you could get that money back? I got some good news for you today. You can get it back. You can get it back. Three people clapped. (laughs) You can get it back. Take off my my Steve Harvey original. Um, You you can get it back. Let's play this hypothetically. You, You can get it back. Let's just imagine, let's just imagine if we can, that if somebody came to you and said, hey, all that money you wasted, let's say in the last 10 years, on stuff that you knew, oh, that was just a dumb purchase. Can you imagine if somebody came to you and said, hey, I'm going to give you all that money back, and I'm going to put it in an account. I'm going to put it in an account. Wouldn't you be excited? I'm like, cool. They said they're going to put it in an account, but here's the catch. It's yours, but it's not yours. They tell you that you have 12 months to use that money that you wasted on stuff you didn't even need. You got 12 months to use all of that money at your discretion, but you can't use it for you. You got to use it to bless somebody else. You got to use it to bless somebody else. Let's just call that account the blessed account, the blessed account. And we're putting all that money in that account, and you have to use that money in that account to bless somebody else. Can you imagine the joy, the excitement, the elation you would have to know, ooh, I got a blessed account that I can just use, not for me, but for somebody else, and I got a year to spend it. Some of y'all would have thousands of dollars in that account. Can you imagine how much you would be stalking people looking how to bless them? Going, let me just see how much extra can I tip this Uber driver? His car was dirty, but he's still gonna get a tip today. Can you imagine how you would walk around looking for somebody to be a blessing to you? My question to you today as we jump into this new series 
is why couldn't you live like that now? Why couldn't we live like that now? Why could we not live our lives operating out of generosity, understanding that simply God wants to use us to be a conduit, to be a channel, to be a funnel of blessing to somebody else? What if you realize right now that the money in your account is a blessed account? It's a blessed account, and it's not yours, but that God has simply entrusted it to you. What if you can live your life like that now? And get ready, because for the next three weeks, we're simply going to come around this idea of what it means to be generous, how to become generous. This is not a series on giving. This is a series on what it means to be generous. How can you become a generous person? Now, y'all know I'm crazy. I'm a little bit gangster because I'm doing stuff you're not supposed to do. How many know we're a baby church? We just planted this church six months ago. And they will tell you all the church growth gurus, they'll tell you, oh, don't you start talking about resources. Don't you start, you know how, you know how people get when they start talking about money. There are two topics that if you want to see people in church, their hearts start palpitating and them start sweating and they start rolling their eyes. Talk about sex or money. Just talk about either one of those and watch people in the church. The whole atmosphere shifts. Isn't it funny? Two topics, sex and money. People start tripping about it. But it's funny how that's what people have the most issues with. It's sex and our resources. And yet nobody wants to talk about it. But today and over these next few weeks, we are going to talk about what it means to truly live a life of generosity. We're going to talk about God's flow, God's flow, which has always been this. Here's what I believe God's flow has always been and will always be. You serve a God that wants to get something from him to you through somebody else. This is how God always works. Put it on the screen. I want him to see this. This is how God's system works. A blessing to you and then through you to someone else. This has always been God's system, to get a blessing from him to you and ultimately through to somebody else. You, who, to somebody else. You, S, who. If you take the U from the U and the S from someone else, us. Us. That's what I see when I see the word us, is that's how God wants to bless us. Because God wants to bless us. You realize that. He wants to bless us. He wants to bless you. And after he blesses you, if he can get that blessing through you to somebody else that will change their life forever, this is the system of God. I love it because before there was original sin, how many know there was original blessing? So many people harp on sin, and yes, we live in a fallen world, but before there was original sin, there was original blessing. There was a God who blessed Adam and Eve, who blessed the creation. There was original blessing before there was ever original sin because God has always had this system of getting a blessing to you and through you to somebody else. And God never blesses you just to raise your standard of living. He blesses you to raise your standard of giving. We're going somewhere. Why? Because he's just trying to get it through you. And I'm wondering today, how is your flow, the us, the us, you to somebody else? He wants to bless us. You to somebody else. Us, us. Somebody say us. You can't even spell the word generous without us. Because ultimately, he wants to get a blessing to you and through you to somebody else. And many of us, we're not living a life that is generous. We're living a life that is general. <laughs> because the blessing has come and it stops at you and it never gets to somebody else. So you're not generous, you're general. <laughs> because you think that what you have is really, you know, I'm general. I'm general. I, I do what I can when I can. I'm not generous. I forget somebody else. Let me get me together first. And isn't that funny? Because you'll never really experience true joy and happiness if you're always holding on to it. Not just resources. I'm talking about encouragement. I'm talking about love. If it's always for you, you'll never experience true joy. You've got to keep the flow from God to you through to somebody else. Not general. 
generous. So here's my series title, and we're going to be looking at it for the next few weeks. Here's the series title. You ready? What's in it for us? What's in it for us? That's what we're going to wrap our mind around over these next three weeks, because that question right there is not so much a question that needs to be answered, but more so the mindset of a generous person. A generous person functions from the mindset of not what's in it for me, which is why we have the me X'd out. Not even just what's in it for you. Because sometimes that's just charity. A true generous person operates from the mindset of what's in it for us? What's in it for us? What's in it for us? Ultimately, how does the blessing come to me and through me to somebody else? Look at your neighbor and say, what's in it for us? What's in it for us? And I'm going to be teaching more than preaching in this series, which is just basically I'm going to tell it more than I'm going to yell it. Because I want us to really start changing our mindset of what it is to be generous. And here's what I've learned about generosity. Generosity has to be learned. It has to be learned. I don't care how spiritual you are. You could have floated in here, had communion for breakfast. (laughs) Generosity is not in your default setting. Stinginess is. Hoarding is. None of us are born with generosity. Generosity is not natural. Now, it is cultural. That's why we're about to come into this holiday season and everybody's about to be generous now, right? Thanksgiving, Christmas. But it is not natural. Generosity is not something that comes natural. You have to learn to operate out of generosity. You have to engage your mind. You have to reorientate the way you think, the way you approach. Everything you have has got to shift in your mentality. Generosity does not come natural because most of us ask the question, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Not what's in it for us. If you don't believe that, you don't have kids. Come on. I have three little humans. And it blows my mind. All three of my kids, I'm talking about before their motor skills have been fully developed, before they have even got all of the English language coming out of their mouth, they already know this move right here. Mine. Nobody has to teach you how to be selfish. You don't have to take a class on selfishness. I'm telling you, we operate naturally what's in it for me. You still don't believe me. Not a single one of you, not a single one of you ever been out with your friends, taken a picture, and got ready to post a picture from the night, and looked at the picture, and looked at how your friends looked in the picture. Oh, don't sit up there and look at me like that. You have never in your life taken a picture with your crew and said, girl, your hair looks good in this pic. Let's poke this. You don't look at none of them. Your eyes go straight to you, and if you look good, that's the one you posted. That's why I try to tell my Caucasian friends, you better put some extra light. You better put a filter on that pic, because they will leave you out there. (laughs) So in this grade, you can't see nothing but my eyes and my teeth. You better change the photo. I thought it was great. I don't understand. Because you looking at you, you didn't see (laughs) me. We naturally look at pictures and just say, oh, I look good. What's in it for me? Forget the rest of y'all. It, it is our default setting. But the beauty of generosity is to operate from this trajectory of what's in it for us. Not, not just me. Not even just you, but just us. And this is going to be hard. Who I got a daunting task in front of me because I'm trying to get us, our community, to come around the idea of the joy of giving, that it's actually a joy. And some of us, it's hard to even cognitively comprehend that you could actually experience joy in giving, that when it goes out of my hands, that yes, something goes out of my hand, but I actually get something too. This way I can illustrate it. I thought about this. Um, how many are already making your Thanksgiving plans? Already making your Thanksgiving plans already? Come on. I, I love Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. I prepare like an Olympic uh, trainer for Thanksgiving. I'm purposely cutting back now so I can turn up here in a few weeks. Okay. It's about to be on Thanksgiving. And it, it makes me laugh because um, Thanksgiving, you can really break down Thanksgiving dinner to really two groups of people. Uh, there are cookers. How many you cook? Y'all cook, y'all cook, okay? You make something that's awesome. And then there's consumers, okay? Cookers <laughs> and consumers. Some of us, our contribution is, is it ready? <laughs> so I'm in that category. I don't cook anything. I don't cook 
I'm making reservations, okay? I don't cook anything, and so I'm just a consumer. I'm just a consumer. But all you cookers, oh, you understand this. It is funny to watch cookers get ready for Thanksgiving. I'm talking about no matter what you make. I'm talking about sweet potato pie, whatever casserole you make. And you will see, I'm talking about slaving in the kitchen. Hours, meticulous detail. Not me just the recipe that you know in the, the paprika, paprika, what, paprika? Oh, I'll fix that second service. Is that even an ingredient? Paprika? Is that a pepper? Paprika. You know what I meant. <laughs> All that stuff y'all do. <laughs> I'm a consumer, not a cooker. <laughs> All that stuff. Y'all do all that, and you prepare it. Why is there so much intentionality? Why is there so much effort put in? Is it simply just to feed so you don't starve? No! The joy, and you can watch the cookers at Thanksgiving because their plate won't even be ready. <laughs> they are waiting. They are waiting for us consumers to take a bite out of that pecan pie or what, and say, <laughs> Grandma Mabel, how do you kill it every year? It gets better. They'd be like, you know, I just do what I always did. It ain't, it ain't no thing. The joy. <laughs> the joy. They're not even eating the food. They still got the apron on. But boy, when they see your face, <laughs> it was worth every hour. It was worth the grease from the hot water cornbread almost burning their hand just to see your face smile. Oh, what would our church look like? What would our world look like if we had a community of people who not every time somebody talked about being generous or giving, they're like, oh, here we go again, but actually said, what a joy it is for me to be a conduit for me to be a channel of expression of the goodness of God, that something came to me. But it's not just for me. It's got to go through me to somebody else. What's in it? What's in it for us? Somebody say us. Somebody shout us. I'll tell you what our community would look like if we had a community that became generous. One of the first things that would happen is we'd have a community of joy. It is impossible to live a life of generosity and not have joy. Impossible. Rarely will you meet, ever, a generous person who doesn't have joy. But I tell you, stingy people, always miserable. <laughs> Every stingy person you meet is always miserable. But generous people, true people who live a life of generosity, they have joy. Stingy people are always miserable. Oh, nothing worse than a miserable, stingy person because every stingy person is miserable. Come on, can I use a refrigerator for an illustration? I'm telling you, you, you eat a generous person's leftovers. You know, they go in the kitchen, didn't I have some gumbo in here? And then somebody's like, oh man, my bad, I ate it. That generous person is like, oh, don't worry about it. That was good, wasn't it? That was good. That's why I brought it back. I'm t I'll tell you where the restaurant is to get that gumbo, generous, they're not tripping. A stingy person, eat their gumbo. Hold on, take a bite, out. hold on. I, I knew I had 1,500 pieces of rice. Now I got 1,300, who took? You counted the rice, I sure did, cause I knew y'all were gonna take some of the food. How many pieces did I have? Just miserable, a stingy life. Will always leave you miserable, but generosity? I always leave you with joy. I'll prove it to you with a facial expression. Come on, when you live with an open hand, you always got joy. Look, look, I'm gonna try to do a miserable face, but open hand, you won't even believe it. <laughs> you don't believe that? But let me do a closed fist with a miserable face. See, you believe it, don't you? <laughs> because generosity always produces joy. What is generosity? It's the flow. The flow that comes from God through you to somebody else. Before we really unpack what generosity is, let's talk about what generosity is not. Y'all good? Let's talk about what generosity is not. Number one, generosity is not random giving. Generosity is not random giving. It's very difficult, as I said before, and daunting to talk about a task like this because most people 
think that they're generous. Most of us think that we are. And if you try to say that they're not, they'll remind you, uh, no, I remember that one time I gave somebody something <laughs> on the side of the road. No, I cash at Fred like last year. You'll think about the one moment, right, that, that you gave. But hear me today, generosity is not just random giving. As a matter of fact, generosity is deeper than just giving. A true life of generosity is not just about giving. But most people think, because I gave, or because I occasionally give, that I'm generous. But that is not the case at all. It's, it's funny, I love what Pastor Andy Stanley says. He says, most Americans, especially in our culture, most Americans don't think they're rich, and they are. And then they think they're generous, but they're not. Most of us don't think that we're rich, but if somebody from a third world country came up in your house, <laughs> your apartment, saw your complaint, they'd be like, are you for real? That's what you're complaining about? We don't realize how rich we are. So we don't realize we're rich, and yet we are. But then we think we're generous, but we're not. But generosity is not just random acts of giving. And hear me, you should give. I'm thankful for our church. I've shared this before. We don't have like big givers in our church. We don't. We have a bunch of consistent givers who just faithfully, just faithfully give. And that is awesome. But that is not necessarily generosity. Giving is not random acts of giving. It's not generosity. Give us an illustration. All right. <laughs> My son, Robert Madu III, um, you know, Halloween, hallelujah night was last week because people get crazy and uh he got all this candy i mean this boy had a tub of candy a tub of candy and i asked him for some of his snickers he was eating he's eating the snickers i said bubba can i get a little piece mm, no i said can i just get a little bit mm, no holding this big old thing of candy and would not give me a little piece and so what i do i immediately went in to guilt i said really bubba I said, as nice as I've been to you, as good as I've been to you as a daddy. I'm telling you, it's complete guilt. I said, I bet Remy will give me some candy. Yeah, daddy, you can have C, Bubba. Remy's giving me some candy. Remy, and then finally this boy goes, okay, okay. <laughs> and take, I'm talking about the tiny, it wasn't even in caramel in it. Just <laughs> it looked like it hurt him every, <laughs> every step of the way. <laughs> Just... And that's how most people do in church, right? That's why people don't want to talk about giving to church because you're used to preachers trying to guilt or trying to shame you. Oh, we got to pay these lights up in here and you don't want to give. And it's like, all right, all right, here. <laughs> but hear me, you can give and not have a life of generosity. This is a complete mindset shift. Generosity is not random giving. Number two, in the same line of thinking, generosity is not emotional. Generosity is not emotional. This is what has really messed up people in the church because we think that if I get moved enough by a story, if I see enough pictures on the screen of somebody in poverty, or if I get inspired enough, if they tell the right story during the offering time, okay, all right. But people who are truly generous, it has nothing to do with inspiration and it will never do with guilt. If you are guilted into giving, you haven't even scratched the surface of what generosity is. True, generous people do not give out of their emotions because generosity is not emotional. It does not mean that I don't feel the needs of my community and issues around the world, but I do not need the emotions of those issues to prompt me to give when I live a life of generosity. You know why it's not emotional? Because your emotions fluctuate. Your emotions will go up and down. And there's a lot of people who manipulate emotions to get people to give. And they might give, but it's not a life of generosity. Generosity is not emotional. Number three, generosity is not an amount. Generosity is not an amount. I'll take that amen right there. Because we really think it is. It's so funny. When somebody could write you write a big check and we could look at how many zeros and we're like, whoa. Thank you for this generous gift. And I'm always going to be thankful, but nobody really knows if that's generous except for them because we don't know what you have. Never judge generosity by an amount. But our tendency is to think that it's the amount that counts. Generosity has never been about an amount. All right, give us some scripture for it. Okay, Mark chapter 12. 
Mark chapter 12, this is a classic verse of scripture. Those of you who've been raised in church, you've heard this ver verse. This is Jesus in Mark chapter 12. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd put their money into the temple te treasury. Let's pause right there. We'll come back to it. Can you imagine being in a service and the offering is being placed and right as you're about to give an offering, <laughs> Jesus shows up and just... Come on, keep 100. You'd be like, oh, not 100, 1,000. 25 cents. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like in the offering, and Jesus is just looking <laughs> over your shoulder, right as you on the app of pushback. Can you imagine? That made me laugh because I mean, no, Jesus didn't have to do that. Come on, this is the same guy who told Peter one time, let's pay our taxes. We don't want the IRS on us. Go down to the river. There's going to be a fish there. Open up the mouth of the fish and let's pay the taxes. This is the God who knows everything, okay? So he does not have to stand by the offering to know. What is he doing? He's purposely standing by watching. And I think some people did what we just laughed about. I think some people said, is that the Messiah? Let's, let's, he'll, he'll be really unimpressed. Babe, give, give me, give me, give me the, give me the checkbook. Yes. <laughs> Dropping those big checks in and Jesus is sitting there watching and let's keep reading. It says, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. Here's what's crazy. He didn't tell the widow that. He told the disciples. So I can imagine this poor widow walking up after these big checks have been written and said, this, this is so embarrassing. I don't have that. I can't, I'm saying, she probably walked away thinking that was nothing. And Jesus could have at least gone to her and said it was like he didn't. He said, guess what? Called his disciples over. He said she gave the most. Which means she gave the most and didn't even know it. Because giving is not about a feeling. And giving is always about your faith to trust God, to be obedient with what he said. She was just faithful. And she gave. And Jesus said, that was the most, because generosity is not about an amount. Yeah. Number four, generosity is not for rich people. It's not for rich people. You ever met this person? Oh, no, well, of course they can give that. They got it. Now, if I had it, I would do it too. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> Hear me? Rich people are rich, and generous people are just generous. Stop thinking that you got to be rich to be generous. Whatever you are doing with your resources right now, that's what you're going to do if you get rich. But it's, 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 again, it's a mindset shift because we think that generosity is easy for rich people. I've met some rich people who are just rich and they're giving, but they're not generous. Some rich people are the stingiest people in the world. That's how they got rich. <laughs> not giving away, not living a life of withholding. But generosity is not for rich people. Whatever you're doing with what you have now, that's what you're going to do should you get more. It is not for rich people. I can even see a person on the side of the road that doesn't have much. But if they have a generous heart, which by the way, generosity is not an act, it's an attitude of your heart. You could be a homeless person on the side of the street in this cold Dallas weather, but if you have a heart of generosity, you could stumble up on a bag of clothes, no money, and you could pick up a pair of gloves, and a person that doesn't have a heart of generosity, they put both of those gloves on and say, ooh, thank you. <laughs> My hands are not gonna be cold during this cold weather, but a person that has a heart of generosity, they'll get those gloves, They'll go across the street to their buddy that's homeless too. But hey, bro, I know it's cold out here, but I just found these gloves. I got the left. 
you take the right. <laughs> At least one of our hands will be warm. And that would be generosity. That would be what's in it for us. Over the next few weeks, in my heart, in your heart, I want our church to start operating from a mindset of not what's in it for me, not even just what's in it for you, but what's in it for us. Let's create a channel of flow where we understand the blessing comes from God to you, to somebody else. Ask the worship team to join me. I was going to read the scripture, but there's a story that I love that's in Matthew chapter 25, and I'll tell you the story. And I've preached the story before. It's about the parable of, some version calls it the talents. But the NIV says it's bags of gold. And I love it because Jesus tells this story towards the end of his ministry, towards the end. And how many know, anytime Jesus is telling a story, you got to pay attention to story time with Jesus. Whenever Jesus is telling a story, he's not just telling a story to tell a story. He's telling a story to reveal a principle of how his kingdom operates, which generally, hear me, is always opposite and antithetical to the principles and kingdoms of this world. He's telling this story, and anytime Jesus tells a story, pay attention to a few things. Pay attention to the context of the story. Pay attention to the characters in the story. And then pay attention to the crazy in the story. Because his stories will always have a context, it'll always have characters, and it'll always have some part in the story that's just crazy. Remember the prodigal son? Remember homeboy that went to Vegas, spent his whole father's inheritance, right? Wasted the family inheritance, remember that story? Remember he told that story? Remember, remember the crazy in that story? Obviously, he is the father. Come on, the boy is the ones who have gone away. The elder brother are the religious people who think they haven't gone away, but their hearts have gone away. Remember the crazy in that story? This boy is coming with a speech to tell, Jesus, to tell the father, who is Jesus, about what he did and what he messed up. And the father didn't even let him get to the house. And the father starts running running full speed toward this boy. That's the crazy Jewish man never ran in that culture for anything. And here comes this daddy, Forrest Gump, running after a boy who wasted everything, not to scold him, not to slap him upside the head, but to throw this boy a party, to put a robe on him and a ring on him. He got some filet mignon waiting in the house, has hired in a DJ for a boy that has jacked up his life. That is crazy, because that's exactly what grace is. If you want a picture of what your heavenly father is, he is running after you, even after you fail, even after you mess up. That's crazy. Anytime he's telling the story, know the characters, know the context, and know what's crazy. And so he tells this story in Matthew chapter 25, and it's about a man who went away on a journey. This man has three servants, and he entrusts these servants with bags of gold. One he gave five, one he gave two, another he gave one. What's the context? The context is Jesus is about to go away. He is about to leave his disciples. He's about to transition and flip the script from him doing miracles for them to now doing miracles through them, through you to somebody else. That's the context of this story that he tells. I may as well give you my last point. Generosity starts with the flip. It's a flip. He tells this story about a man who went away and entrusted bags of gold to three servants. Why? Because he's about to flip the script. I'm not going to be doing it for you. I'm now going to be doing it through you to somebody else. And he gave one five, another one two, and another one one. The Bible says, that the one that had five flipped it. Said, here's another five. How you like me now? Because the master came back to check what they did with what they were entrusted with. 
the one that had two, he comes back, says, hold up, don't let Mr. Five bags of gold get all the shine. I had two, flipped it, brought another two. But the servant that only got one, he comes and says, well, what had happened was, <laughs> see, I, look, I knew you to be a hard master, reaping where you have not sown. And I was afraid. So I dug my bag of gold in the ground. Here it is. Take what's yours. This servant that did not have a proper perspective of who the master was and was afraid didn't flip what he was given. And I've preached that text before. And I've preached it from a perspective of like, you better do something with the gifts God has given you. But the reality is these are bags of gold. This is, this is resources. And I commended the five bag of gold dude and the two bag of gold dude because they flipped the bag because they put in that work, 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 work. But I realized that generosity starts with a flip. Because before they flip the bag, there was a flip in their mentality. And here's the flip that has to be the stake in the ground as we embark upon this journey over the next few weeks. The flip in their brain and in their mind was when the master gave them that gold, not only were they thankful and grateful, their effort to flip it showed their gratefulness, but they also understood this is not mine. I have been entrusted with this. The flip that must occur in every person's mind, if you're truly going to be generous, is the flip to go, I don't own anything. I'm just a manager. I am not an owner. I am a manager. I am not just a consumer. I am a steward of what God has given me. And if you don't make that flip in your mind, you will never be generous with your time. You will never be generous with your talent. You will never be generous with your treasure until you are number one grateful that a generous master would entrust anything to you. And until you understand that what he entrusted to you isn't even yours in the first place he owns it all you are just a manager of it if you don't begin with a flip in your mind to understand that everything that is good in my life it did not come from me it came from a good good God it came from a good good father you can't be generous if you're not first grateful it has to understand that who is this master that would even give something to a servant to a slave they they weren't even sons, but this master in the story that Jesus told was so good that he didn't just have something to give to sons, he even has something to give to servants. How good is this master that he would be so kind to give the servants anything? And there's something about a grateful heart that says, God, I'm just thankful that you woke me up today. God, I'm thankful that there's breath in my body. God, I'm thankful that I can even lift up my hands. God, I'm thankful that you gave me a voice. God, I'm thankful that you gave me just a roof over my head. Everything that I have is not by my talent. It's not by my ingenuity. It's not by my own strength. It is by the goodness no, of God. Thank you, Jesus, that you would give me anything. master that would be so kind to even give these servants anything. The servant that even dug his gold in the ground. The one talent, the one bag of gold, scholars will tell you today that the equivalent of that one bag of gold today would be worth $1.4 million. So that means this master is so good that although not all of them got the same amount, at the worst, 1.4 million. Oh, this is a good master. This is a good father. These servants understood, I don't own anything. It's not mine. 
if it can be taken from you, you don't own it. Some of you think you own a house. No, you don't. <laughs> That's the goodness of God. Some of you think you own that car. No, you don't. That's the goodness of God. Some of you think you own them clothes. No, you don't. I dare you to die. They're going to fight over all the stuff in your house. Your stuff will be on eBay. You don't own anything. If it can be taken from you, you don't own it. You're just the manager. Remember how we started the illustration? Remember your blessed account? I told you it was yours, but it wasn't really yours. What if you operated like that now? Say, God, this isn't mine. You've entrusted it to me. I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet today. I realize I did a crazy thing talking about generosity. And some of you will be like, oh, here we go. Here's another preacher talking about money, but this is not us asking for anything. Now later there will be an ask because I want to do something on the last Sunday of this month. Told you our church is new and what you do at the foundation is what's going to set the trajectory for years. Then this month we've been so blessed to do a myriad of things some of you remember at Hi-Fi, we gave, by faith, $1,000 to every single mom in their service and made the decision to do it before we taught them. I was nervous because God said, every mom that's a single mom, I want you to give $1,000 to every single I said, well, Lord, what if 100 mamas show up? He said, did I ask you how many were going to show up? And when 19 came, I'm not going to lie, I was like, Ooh, okay, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Just keep it at 100. I was scared. I knew what was in the bank account. <laughs> 19 moms came up. They had no clue. Gave every mom on Mother's Day that was a single mom $1,000. You should have seen the joy. The joy. Not just on their face, but on our face as a church because us through you to somebody else. Pastor Taylor mentioned we were able to do it for Bridges Safe House. We're going to take care of all their Christmas gifts, $4,000. Dallas Dream Center, what an incredible thing. They're going to be feeding families, hundreds of families over Thanksgiving. We were able to partner with them, $10,000. What an opportunity that we have to just be a conduit, to just be a channel. So hear me. It's not a preacher telling you about a building. We ain't got a building. And we good. We paid our rent, Gillies. We good. But on the last Sunday of this month, I want us to take a separate offering that is going to strictly be given away. And I want you, as we start, now if you feel like, oh, here we go. This is not manipulation. This is not me begging you to give. This is about you changing your mindset to live a life of generosity, to experience the joy of giving. I'm going to be sharing with you in the coming weeks what we're going to be giving it to, but I want you, as we get ready for that last Sunday of November, we're going to give away, I'm believing, the most money our church has ever given in the history of our church. It's easy to say that now, the history of six months. <laughs> and we're going to watch every year God use us to just be a channel of blessing to you, to somebody else. What's in it for us, for us? And it starts understanding you don't own anything. You're just a manager. Your life is not even yours. It's God's. My gift is not mine. That's why every time I get up to preach, it don't matter if I feel like it. It's not my gift. It's His. I have to be faithful with whatever he's given me. And you have to be faithful with whatever he's given you. And as every head be bowed, all eyes be closed today. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I pray today that, uh, Lord, you would just instill in our hearts and our minds the joy of giving. God, I thank you that there is so much in store for us 
as we open up our lives to be available. God, just to be channels of blessing to somebody else. God, we're not limited to just our finances. God, let us be generous with our words of encouragement. Let us be generous with our love. Let us be generous with our time. God, let us be generous with our attention. God, in a culture where it's so hard to get anybody to actually ask you how you're doing and really mean it, God, I pray that there would be a revival of generosity with our attention, that we would see people where they are and feel what they feel. God, let there be a revival of generosity that breaks out in social. Start with me. Start with us. God, I thank you. We don't own anything. We are simply managers, stewards of a good, good father who's given us so much. Just in this moment with heads bowed and eyes closed today, if maybe you're living your life as if you are the owner of your life. And before we can even talk about resources or finances or anything, have you taken the first step, which is to say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And it's funny to even say give, because how can you give to a God who gave it to you? But I guess the appropriate word would be bringing your life to him. Some of you, maybe you've been running for a long time, but today's the day he is calling you back home. That servant that dug the hole in the ground did not have a proper perspective of who the master was, so he was afraid and he hid. And maybe you've got the wrong perspective of who Jesus is. You think he's mad at you. No, he's actually the father that runs towards those who have been far from him. He's the father that throws the party for the prodigal. Hires a DJ and gives him a stake and doesn't wait for him to clean up before he puts a robe and a ring on him, but puts it over the dirt from the pig pen. Change your perspective of who this Savior is. He is not how some mean church person treated you. He is a good father, and he loves you. When you change your perspective, how could you not give him everything? So heads bowed and eyes closed. If you say, Pastor Robert, would you include me in this closing prayer? I need to surrender my life to the one who gave it to me. I don't own it. I'm just a steward of it. Would you just lift up your hand high enough, long enough to where I could see it? I want to pray with you. Yeah, I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Anybody else? Just lift it up and you can put it right back down. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to him today because you were walking with God for a season and today he is calling you back home. Anybody else? Just lift it up and put it right back down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm going to ask you to do something. Those of you who lifted up your hands, I promise this is not to embarrass you. This is actually to empower you. I just think it's something powerful about taking a step from where you are to a new place. And if you lifted up your hand saying, I need to surrender my life to him, or you should have, when I count to three, I'm just going to ask you to get out of your seat and just come right here to the front because I want people from our team to be able to pray with you. I want our church to be able to celebrate because we're not a church of perfect people. We're actually just a church of hungry people who found the living bread and are screaming at the top of our lungs, come and eat of this living bread who is Jesus, who satisfied the longing of our soul. So when I count to three, if you lifted up your hand or you should have, I don't care how far you got to walk, this is your day for a miracle. This is your day where everything changes. I want you to come. One, two, don't worry about what anybody else thinks about you. Three, would you come if you lifted up your hand or you should have? Just come right up here to the front. Come on, church. I want you to help me celebrate every single person. Come on. Come on. That's why you had to be here today. Come on. Just right up here. Come on. I wish I had somebody that would give God some praise today. Today's your day, man. Say, God, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I don't own my life. I don't own it. I don't own it. It's his. It's his. I'm just a manager. I'm just a steward. Come on. You're going to war your whole life until you just surrender and give it to the one who gave it to you. Yeah, come on, come on, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I don't care how far you got to walk. 
Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, God. Come on. I'm going to ask some of our prayer team and friends just to stand behind each and every one of these incredible, brave people who came forward today. He's given you so much. You might not even see it or realize it, but he's given you so much. There's somebody that needs what you have. And that's why hell comes against you. And that's why the enemy attacks you because to whom much is given, not only is much required, but the enemy attacks. The enemy attacks. But today is a new day to live your life out of this mindset that it's not even mine. I'm a steward. I'm a manager of a gracious God who put breath in my body. Anybody else want to come? I just want to wait just a few more moments and then we're going to pray one big prayer. And then if you want some individual prayer, our team is behind you. Can we pray this prayer as one big family? We're all going to say it, especially those of you at the front and pretend like you're the only person in here. Would you just say this from your heart? Just say, Jesus, I need you. You are the master. I am the servant. Lord, today, I thank you for the gift of life. I thank you for the gift of salvation that you paid the price for. When you died on the cross, you got up from the grave for me. Thank you for living the life that I could never live and for dying the death that I should have died because of my sin. Lord, today, I surrender. I don't own my life. I'm a manager. And I give it to you. Make me brand new. And from this moment forward, I'm following you. In Jesus' name, amen. We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online, and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world.